0: Hello, and welcome to makers.dev episode at number 122. Chris, did you know that 122 years ago, this is going to be a little tenuous, uh, the year was uh, 1901, and the world had had Frankenstein the novel for 83 years, but wouldn't have the film for another 30 years, so we're like between the novel and the film. Uh, author of Frankenstein, of course, is Mary Shelley, uh, and she had died exactly 50 years before. So that's that's sort of the connection that I have to, to this number. Uh Mary Shelley was married to a dude named Percy, Percy Shelley. That's where she got her surname. Percy Shelley was also an accomplished author, uh, much more well-known for his poetry and for his writings on uh, uh, atheism and and politics and some other things. Uh, Percy Shelley had been previously married to a woman named Harriet Westbrook. uh, But then while they were still married, he was getting mentored by this dude, and the dude's daughter was uh, Mary Shelley. And so then he went with Mary Shelley instead, and his previous wife committed suicide, uh, and they had two children together. Wild lives, and then him and him and Mary Shelley had four kids, but three of them died in childbirth; only one of them survived. And uh, we this is gonna loop back. There's, there's a connection here. I'm, I'm going somewhere oh, with this. Okay, okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, so uh, uh, Mary Shelley spent most of her career. Uh, promoting the works of her husband percy shelley and then just happened to on the side make one of the best you know the, the a novel that defined the genre of gothic fiction made uh, frankenstein and uh i hadn't heard of anything that her husband percy shelley had done even though like she's promoting him and and at the time i think he would have been seen as like higher status and, and more widely published um percy shelley her husband went to oxford university college but was expelled a year later for writing this pamphlet on atheism and like not answering questions the the administration was asking him like did you write this and what's going on and he wouldn't even answer the questions so they were like get out of here you're not for this university and uh he died at age 29 in a boating accident which i think is a pretty rad way to die and uh they cremated his body but his heart didn't burn because of something, something maybe calcification, but also it's sort of this poetic thing of like, ah, his heart of this poet was still lived on. So they uh, they took his heart and they buried it, and then decades later, I think like seventy years later, his daughter in law was trying to sort of clean up his image and uh, and promote his work, and so she had this giant sculpture uh, uh, carved out of marble that like depicts him after the boating accident, sort of like laying uh, down, and, and she wanted it to go. Uh, by his grave, where his heart was buried, but there wasn't enough room in that cemetery. That cemetery was in Rome, so she instead went to his alma mater and said, "Hey, can I, can I, give you this statue and you have it in your in your college, uh, and I'll give you a bunch of money to like build the room and I'll donate some other money." And they were like, the college was like, "Yeah, sure, like uh, you know, water under the bridge that we kicked him out of after the first year. We'll take your money and we'll and we'll put the statue up." And uh, so fast forward to june of 2012 a young christian jenko is studying abroad in oxford university at university college and he stumbles on this marble statue that says something something shelley and it's this marble statue sort of facing away from you and it's this very like (laughs) feminine figure from the back it's like very carved with with sort of effeminate details and i'm thinking ah shelley mary shelley frankenstein i guess this is where mary shelley's buried and I just sort of forget about it. I think someone correct me I'm like, no, no, no. It's the, per- uh, the poet Shelley. And I'm like, I don't know who that is, whatever. Uh, so fast forward to yesterday, I'm watching a Netflix series called the ballad of Buster Scruggs by the Coen brothers. That's a bunch of these Western vignettes. And the third vignette has a, uh, it depicts a armless legless Dudley Dursley that is this, like in the wild west, he's going around as this orator and actor and uh one of the the very first poem that he talks about is this poem called ozymandias and i had heard of this poem before but i never quite made the connection that it was percy shelley that made this uh so like i i started going down this youtube hole because it's this beautiful poem uh that that has these uh very deep i don't know it, it just gets me thinking about stuff uh and so that's when i made this whole connection down so that's that's me bringing it home <laughs> to, to cement this I'd like to read to you this very... I couldn't read the entire novel of Frankenstein, but I can read to you the most well-known poem from this poet, Percy Shelley, who lived this crazy life, abandoned his first wife, died in a cool boating accident. I met a traveler from an antique land who said, Two vast and trunkless legs of stone stand in the desert. Near them on the sand, half sunk in a shattered visage lies, whose frown and wrinkled lip and sneer of cold command tell that its sculptor, well those passions red which yet survive stamped on these lifeless things uh so so uh let me take a step back what's going on here is the author of the poem is saying this dude told me the story and the story was that he was walking in the desert and he saw these uh two legs like these two statuesque legs and then also uh a shattered visage lies that, that that means like it's this big head and uh it's, it's this very serious head it's got a frown and wrinkled lip and the sneer of cold command uh you can tell like a lot of, a lot of thought was put into the sculpture i'll get back into the phone the hand that mocked them and the heart that fed and on the pedestal these words appear my name is ozymandias king of kings look on my works ye mighty and despair nothing beside remains so uh taking a step back on the on the sculpture it says the words uh look at my uh my name is ozymandias king of kings look at my works you mighty in despair uh which is ironic because it's in the middle of a desert it's this giant head and it's got this inscription carved on it that says look look at all these great things that i've done but there's nothing around it's just the desert uh okay back in the poem round the decay of that colossal wreck boundless and bare the lone and level sands stretch far away so uh re uh, uh enforcing that like there's nothing there's nothing around this giant sculpture and it it was probably inspired by the statue of uh, Ramses II that was pillaged by the British Museum. Uh, Ramses was also known as Ozy- Ozymandias. So uh, it's, yeah, the, the, it just gets me thinking about like, uh, that's what happens in your life, right? Every, everything you do, even if you're this colossal king and you've you've erected this giant statue of yourself, sort of like aggrandizing yourself like, look at all this, am- oh, Siri didn't like that. Uh, look at all these amazing things that I've done. Look upon my works, ye mighty in despair. Nothing of it will remain. And I think that's an important thought to, to keep in mind. That's my fun fact for you about the number 122. <laughs> uh,
1: so uh, a few thoughts, actually. Uh, one is, uh, yeah, Ozymandias was made famous recently by Breaking Bad. Um, yeah. That is the name of the second to last episode. And uh, I think, and uh, yeah, he, he says it. And, and it's the whole Breaking Bad is essentially... That poem, um, so that's neat. Uh, the other one is one of my friends who listens to this podcast recently said, "Can you start doing timestamps again?" And I was like, "Oh, that's a good idea." And he's like, "So I can skip the fun number fact because <laughs> it keeps going forever."
0: Yeah, I we want I we want it for seven minutes this time. Ne- never change, Christian. Never change. Uh, <laughs> I like that number okay. fact. Thank you. You, you, and no one else. <laughs> Maybe I'll just start a separate podcast. <laughs> fun, fun, number, facts. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, hello, everyone. Welcome Welcome to <laughs> makers.dev after the fun number fact. It was
1: a long uh, one today. <laughs> a fun number fact podcast actually would be kind of an interesting... That'd be really neat. Just start yeah, at just one and keep going. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I, might do, go. I, might,
0: I might take my talents where they're appreciated. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, uh,
1: if if only there was a video clipping service that could video clip out the oh, number fact and make it. it fold, into, like,
0: <laughs> we uh, can only hope. That's uh, we were both just on vacation. Uh, yeah. How has it gone for you? Uh, t- tell me all about uh, where you went, what you did,
1: what's going on. It was good. Yeah, vacation. Uh, I think we're both going to talk about vacations because we don't have that much SaaS stuff to talk about, so that's fine. Uh, more more non-SaaS related things. Uh, yeah, I went to Tennessee, where my wife's uh, aunt and uncle live. They have a boat. And it is very exciting. Uh, I got a new action camera. I think we talked about that last time, right? I got the 360, Insta360, yep. the new one, uh, which is really cool. Um, I got the 10 foot pole. <laughs> and uh, so I stuck it up by the boat and the jet ski and uh, tubing and made really neat videos. Uh, cool. That right now are like people are interested in because it's unique, like a really unique angle. Uh, i wonder if it gets more popular if they're gonna be like yeah whatever
0: but yeah um, i feel like drone shots have sort of gone the mm -hmm. way of that and so now it's this fpv drone is the new crazy thing where you get like this advanced pilot and you can like go down a chimney and then in the room and stuff and it's no longer interesting to have these cool cinematic uh shots Yeah, yeah 10 feet is is tall did you make uh flat videos with this or did you make 360 videos both yeah you can do both cool cool so it's super super versatile. You, you just capture it
1: and then it, you all do it later in your phone. Um, like the, there's really good editing software that they made for your phone. Um, yeah. And then you can export it to different formats or whatever. Uh, you can also just do still images either from the video or directly from the camera. Mm. Um, I think from the video, they're lower resolution, but that's what I did. I just hit record, stuck it out 10 feet and then later went and uh, messed around with my phone. Um, cool. yeah. Uh, the other thing I did, so I, there's a photography theme for today, uh, partly because I'm going on multiple trips this summer, including Iceland. That's in the fall. Um, so I'm getting more into photography again. But for the boat trip, I took this little thing, which is mm. a Ricoh GR3. And it looks like a point-and-shoot camera, but it has an aps c size sensor, which is... So there's full frame, which is like the the flagship of Sony and Nikon and Canon. Mm. Uh, but APS-C is just a step down. Um, and so it has really, really, really good image quality in a tiny little package. Um, and so yeah it was a really neat really neat camera that uh reignited some of my uh interest in photography so Wonderful. yeah i actually printed a photo book from it that should be arriving in a few days and so i'm really excited to see it all printed yeah i like that that's a good thing to do like
0: take your photos round trip there was a when, when i printed out photos from uh i forgot the name of the company but i, I printed some out for uh Sarah's birthday i think and, and shutterfly you know, or something it wasn't shutterfly it was something else I don't remember. Uh, but I, I hung them up all over the, the condo. And it's just nice to be reminded of, like, guard trips. And it's not just the photos rotting away in Google Photos. Like, going that, that one extra step makes a lot of sense. Um, I just wanted to ask you about the for the 360 video. Have you tried watching it yet in VR?
1: No, you said to. Uh, I went to go watch the video you sent me. And my, my Oculus was totally dead. So I <laughs> charged it and then never went back and watched okay. it. <laughs> so fair. Yeah, I have, to, I have to go back and watch it. No, that's it's, my Oculus it's is
0: charged. Cool, like you're transported back to the moment, and you can look around and see novel things that you didn't see before. Yeah. And yeah, it's it's a. What's it's the best cool.
1: way to do that? To transfer it to the Oculus, or can you watch it? I guess I could watch it straight on YouTube. You sent me a YouTube link. You correct? can. It's a pain because
0: okay. like to get the YouTube link, like, what? Well, the easiest way to do it, I think, is if it's a public video, you can search for it on YouTube within uh, the YouTube VR app. But like just getting links to the oculus is st- stupidly complicated i think the best way is from within messenger if you if mm. you facebook messenger it to yourself then there's a messenger app within the oculus and then you can click on the link but then sometimes it opens up in the uh most of the time i think it opens up the browser and they haven't quite figured out internal linking yet so like it's hard to view it in the native app but you can from the web app view 360 video but it's not quite as good and not as high resolution it's a mess there's also a way to sideload it if you use android file transfer you can take the 360 video and put it on the on the oculus but i haven't figured out how to do that yet but i think that'd be a better experience uh Hmm. yeah that the whole ecosystem just kind of needs to be smoothed out it's not it's not what it needs to be to get uh high adoption which is frustrating but if you can get to the point where you can watch it like it's amazing cool maybe the apple vision pro will uh, fix all of those they're going to nail it right it's going to be like airdrop and yeah they're yeah. they're going to make it much easier um i also wanted to ask you for the a p v s what's a- the name of the the apsc size APS-C. sensor i got yeah. i got one letter right um how do you know percentage wise how the size of that compares to a full frame
1: yeah so crop factor is what you're looking for um there's very apsc is a general term but it's generally one, 1. 1.5 to 1.6 times the full frame is 1.5 times larger than an APS-C size sensor. Okay. Um, your standard cell phone camera is like uh, 10 times smaller or something like that. Like it's okay. puny in comparison.
0: Yeah. And the is that is that merely the the resolution of the photo, that it's the, the number of megapixels?
1: No. Uh, so megapixels is completely separate. Um, uh, you can think about it like every pixel is a bucket that collects mm-hmm. light. And so if you have a 20 megapixel say sensor in a cell phone every bucket has to be really small to fit that many buckets in the sensor when you get much bigger sensor size each bucket can be much larger Mm. which means every bucket can collect more light and so you can have much more um uh uh specific but what what am i looking for but much more uh sensitivity in Mm -hmm. terms of the light that capture and so it allows you to do things like shoot in lower light for one thing like a like a APS-C or full frame camera will always be able to shoot in lower light, even with like the computational computational photography stuff that cell phones have Mm -hmm. just doesn't match, uh, large sensors. Um, the other thing you can do is uh, shoot at faster shutter speeds so you can capture motion much better. Um, and then you can also do interesting things. Like if you get the, uh, if you want the out of focus background that you get, um, in camera, like not as a filter, Mm -hmm. then, uh, that you can only do with larger sensors. So, several things s- several reasons why larger sensors are really cool gotcha
0: yeah okay that makes sense because each because each photo sensor pixel is a bigger bucket you can capture more photons and so then you would you would get a, a clearer image you get a higher higher signal yeah that makes a lot of sense
1: clear better micro contrast which means uh less mushy So like, uh, small yeah and cell phones do great with the software they, they, ju- they do amazing but um there's a few things they just cannot do one is shoot in very low light at faster shutter speeds Mm
0: -hmm. um so yep your retina is pretty small right yeah i imagine on the scale of the size of a cell phone camera uh sensor and we just have really good software to, to process the image so so yes in two ways one your eyeball is bigger than the lens on a on a
1: uh cell phone camera yeah so the lens size is actually if you put a huge lens on a cell phone camera you could get a similar effect sort, mm. sort of um so that's one thing and then the other thing is we see in video not in not in still images yeah, yeah. and we see in video especially the center of our vision is extremely sharp yep. and our brain just filters out the outside and so video with an extremely sharp center sort of tricks our brain into thinking that we see in higher resolution than we do
0: yeah how interesting the fovea centralis, if my, uh, uh, high school anatomy, uh, <laughs> is still correct. Um, yeah. Okay. So for, if you're taking a still image, you would want that still image to hold up to the highest resolution that we can see when we're focusing on it at yeah, all parts cor- of the corner image. to corner. Yeah. Right. So you'd want a bigger sensor. Okay. Yeah. That makes sense. Neat. You seem to be getting more into photography. Is this going to turn into more of a, uh, project? Is this going to, or just, just a hobby for now? How, how are you thinking about it? So, so i've been in photography photography
1: um for a long time um i have you can't see them but i have pictures just out of frame that i took i have lots of pictures of my kids that I just hang up in my uh, house but it, it goes in and out and it also like i got the large camera but like that's a lot to lug around that's why i love this tiny thing because you could just take it around um i'm getting more into it now because of iceland so i'm going to iceland it is uh ridiculously good spot for photos and so I'm researching a whole bunch of camera things that I want to buy I will probably buy not all of them <laughs> hopefully because that's gonna be a lot of money if I do but uh, yeah so multiple things um, I also I think this is where you're going I've had the idea for a while that I want to do weird experiments like uh, I want to I want to build a, a large format digital camera um, large format so there's full frame large format is like like the size of my face like it's huge cool um, and you could you could do that you need a 3d printer and some other things. Um, I want to do some, I have a whole list of projects I want to do. And I kind of want to start a YouTube channel to, to do that. Absolutely. Uh, <laughs> uh because that, that's the way I can justify like, you know, cause, like I need a 3d printer and I need all this space and I need a full format lens, which which I already have, but that's beside the point. Um, anyway, so to spend all that money, like maybe I could make a YouTube channel and make some money back on the back end. Yeah. Um, that's my thoughts. Tell, tell me that's a stupid idea. <laughs> that's a great
0: idea. Please do that. <laughs> like, I think you would have so much fun. I think a YouTube channel is a fantastic output for uh, the, the sort of work that I think we both enjoy doing the most. You kind of just get to do whatever you want. And the, the only criteria is, is this interesting to some segment of the population? Would they watch this? Which is a pretty low, like if it's interesting to you, it's gonna be interesting to some portion of the population. Uh, I think this is, great for you in particular as a creative outlet that you can do alongside your work at google because google's mm. not gonna feel like you're competing with them in any way like this is you contributing to one of their platforms like fantastic uh if, if i was google um also they're probably not gonna start selling uh, uh what do you call it uh, the the frame size of the camera full frame
1: all right, all right uh, so okay so so there's full frame <laughs> sensors right and then there's large format Large that's format. what i want to build yeah okay. okay. large format is like five four by five inches or eight by ten inches whereas your the camera sensor you have is like an inch and a half yeah <laughs> like yeah
0: tiny yeah four and a half that's that's like i'm imagining those old timey uh cameras that, that were exactly just huge boxes on a tripod yeah that'd be cool. that is exactly what it is yep <laughs> that'd be so cool <laughs> yeah absolutely and yep. uh yeah you have experience doing stuff with video you've been practicing getting cool b-roll shots uh i've i've done deep dives into like what it would take to run a successful youtube channel i think the best resource is ellie Abdul's part-time youtuber academy but i'm happy to like give you the summarized version of that uh there's a lot of little I, I i think he does a really good job of uh codifying every part of the process from like here's how you come up with ideas to videos to here's how you take those ideas and space them out on a on a content calendar to here's how you shoot it here's the rough format of how you want the video to be structured hook intro and then value don't give your intro at first because you're going to lose a bunch of people first you give the hook of the interesting thing and then you say by the way my name is this and i do this and then you deliver on the value that should directly follow from uh what the, the title and thumbnail gave you um and then repurposing at the at the back end of that taking that content and putting it on different networks like yeah i think that'd be a ton of fun i think that'd be uh, a great outlet for you to just do whatever you want to do. The, the problem that I struggle with in doing this and the reason why I haven't really fostered my YouTube channel is that I don't feel like I have focused enough interests to like consistently be saying like, I am the guy who makes weird cameras and here's another video of a weird camera. Like that would be interesting for me for a video and then I want to be onto something else and do it. So th- and like, that's not a great, thing to do uh on youtube but there are some creators like uh simone something something yeah her her shtick is like she she constructs interesting machines but then those machines do a whole bunch of varied things and sometimes it's a bed and sometimes it's a, a thing for her uh a three-legged dog to like go and sit next to her and sometimes it's uh a, a paper shredder that's in uh, like looks like a brain um yeah so i think i think the game is just start making videos that you're interested in and see if there's... Yeah, I, leave it at that. Start making videos. It'd be <laughs> yeah. cool. Uh, I'd, I'd like to watch them.
1: Yeah, so I may do that. I, I may also... I thought about making them and not posting them until I'm sure that I want that I have enough time and want to do that. You know what I mean? Like if sure. I post three videos, like that's sort of worthless. So I need to make sure I have
0: enough time to actually do it. In the context of like, if you're trying to start a popular YouTube channel, but... I'm I'm also fine with you just making videos to make videos and then if you don't want to make videos anymore you stop making videos. So, so that's true, but given the extra like work it takes
1: to make a video versus not making a video? Right. I don't know I don't know if it's worth it for me. Also, one of my kids is banging on the door. Hold on. <laughs> okay. okay okay i guess my i guess one of the kids is here and my wife's not so whatever is, is i didn't know okay. that it's fine she wanted to watch her ipad and she was asking and i was like yeah fine go do it okay okay <laughs> yeah all right uh yeah i forget where we left off but um yeah so i may or may not do that
0: we'll see i would enjoy watching your videos i don't think it has to turn into anything serious and i think everyone that you make is going to decrease the effort that it takes to make the next one so the the marginal work of making a video after you've done a cool thing i think uh will will decrease the more videos you make
1: it it will also if all it does is give me an excuse to like buy a 3d printer and spend time on this thing then (laughs) stuff i want to do anyway which like i feel like i would enjoy it more if i wasn't making videos but i feel like the videos give me an excuse to do some of the the crazier ones sure i don't know we'll see
0: I would love to watch a video of you making this crazy gamer. I think that'd be, uh, that'd be really cool. Cool. All right. I'll, I'll make that one for you at least. Wonderful. Thank you. <laughs> um, uh, there, uh, yeah. there was a thing I wanted to ask you about. Um, oh. Tiny Grad. Is this machine learning framework, which is much more in your arena, so I'm, I'm just curious your take on it, uh, made by George Hotz, the guy who made uh, the comma AI self-driving computer that my wife and i use in her car that's really good and like is comparable to tesla's self-driving which is incredible because it's this third-party thing that you just slap onto onto any car um and i'm just curious how you're thinking about that sort of thing my understanding of it is that he's trying to ultimately take on nvidia that he wants to be making his own hardware and the way that he's doing that is first by making uh, a framework tiny grad that is uh i don't fully understand the technical details but i think i think because it's uh he, he's limiting the instruction set so that it's intentionally not turing complete or that or that it's like deterministic in some way that that regular machine learning algorithm algorithms aren't quite uh with the goal of trying to get it to run on standard hardware at least as fast as the the other frameworks and then eventually make his own hardware and make an ASIC that because he has because he's designing tinygrad in mind with uh that eventually he wants to make an ASIC to to make this super fast uh, he, he's thinking that eventually he'll be able to, with TinyGrad and his own custom hardware, have performance that blows NVIDIA out of the water. Uh, like PyTorch running on NVIDIA is going to be much slower than TinyGrad running on TinyGrad ASICs. Uh, what, what's your take on that? So I looked this up
1: very briefly. You mentioned that you wanted to talk about it, I, I didn't know anything about it. Um... Although, as soon as I looked it up, I started seeing it in my feed. So, other people are talking about it, too. Um, it seems interesting. I'm all for people doing you know research into things that may make things faster. Uh, for example, recently, it seems like they made Llama run quite a bit faster using TinyGrad. Hmm. Um, so, that's interesting. Some of the stuff you're talking about, like non-Turing complete, or, or, uh, is a little bit like what TensorFlow 1 may have been. Uh, like I, I haven't done research to know this for sure. But So, TensorFlow 1, like you built your graph, your, your instruction execution graph, uh, like you pre-built it, whereas PyTorch and TensorFlow 2, like it gets it gets built essentially on the fly. Hmm. And what that meant is it was more static, but it could run faster, especially at deployment time. So it kind of sounds like that, which is interesting. Um, you said he wants to take on NVIDIA, which is kind of a weird thing to say. I feel like he's sort of picking a giant, uh, you know? And, and Because NVIDIA is built to be a general purpose uh, you know, computing platform. Yes. And this is the opposite of that. Uh, so of course he's going to be able to beat NVIDIA at certain things. If he makes an ASIC for those certain things, my, my problem with that is AI is moving so fast that who knows if the machine operations we need to do today are the same ones that we need to do tomorrow. Mm. And if there's like, if there's some breakthrough that requires a slightly different version of an algorithm than mm. what his ASICs can do, then all of his ASICs are, you know, completely obsolete yeah so it's a little bit of a weird claim but Mm. i mean just like you know bitcoin mining of course asics are going to beat out you know the the general purpose things Mm. um so it's interesting we'll see where it goes
0: cool cool yeah i think also i just wanted to bring this up on your radar if if this was an interesting thing like uh, i think i think right now he's taking pre-orders for uh $15,000 computer that has some gigaflops of processing and some crazy amount of Ram for the, the GPUs and stuff. So, uh, okay. (laughs) Of all the people I know who might buy that, you you're one of the people.
1: The Um, the other thing about chip manufacturing is it sounds like, Oh, we'll just get some silicon and like put some stuff on it. It's like ridiculously hard. Like Nvidia is one of the companies out of three or something that's able to do it, you know, in the world. So, uh, like maybe five. And so, um, at a large scale anyway, at small scales you can do it sure like in a lab and stuff um but like it costs a lot a lot of money to set up a lab to be able to do large
0: scale silicon like uh wafer stuff so sure sure yeah we'll see yeah it was a big deal when uh Apple did that with the the m one transition yeah okay cool yeah I, I and and him taking on Nvidia I don't think is like he's not trying to replace Nvidia being a manufacturer of like gaming gPUs um i think I think he's trying to build the the ASIC You know, uh, 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 what what ASICs were for Bitcoin mining, I think he's trying to do for machine learning. But you bring up an interesting point that because the software part of it's moving so fast that if there's some crazy technique that needs something more general, okay, we're going to pop back to NVIDIA. Um, Yeah, okay, cool. I think that's it. I just wanted to know what, what your thoughts were on it. Okay. I have one, two, three, four things I'd like to talk about. One of them may be cut because... Uh, i need to run it by my wife to let i haven't talked to her yet today about talking about it so i might need to edit it out so there might only be three things i'll talk about for listeners but you're gonna get to hear all four uh the first one for file inbox the main project i've been working on I, i was on vacation all last week so i didn't really get anything pushed forward in development but uh what i did do was do some work on user personas which was interesting so this is this is coming out of uh work that uh homework that was assigned to me by someone who i think is going to be like my business mentor uh his name's scott he, he uh mentors other companies like this uh he has connections with um not tiny seed earnest capital um and so i think and he's he's like not charging me any money for it i think ostensibly the, the deal here is he's going to uh offer me some advice for like a month and then uh we'll have some back and forth and then he might decide he wants to invest he might decide he wants to like refer this as a thing to earn his capital but for now i'm just like really enjoying the advice and doing what he tells me to do so uh the homework that he gave me was come up with user personas take all the the user interviews that you've done and try to fit those into user personas and uh then from that 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 might inform uh like doing direct sales uh so if i come up with a persona of like uh, accountants, I can then uh, find more accountants and then have in one central place. Okay, these are the problems that accountants have that lead them to look for a solution like File Inbox. So uh, I can make a sales page for them. I can uh, have more effective sales calls when I when I talk to them. So I did that, and I have a uh, first draft of that, and I'm talking with him later today to to get his hot take on that. Um, is there anything else I wanted to talk with you about on that? Oh, one of the personas is becoming this sort of catch-all persona of like entrepreneurs and intrapreneurs who have started just a company and they're doing like a thing and they're the, the the most narrowly I can define them is like they're really comfortable with no-code tools and website builders and things like they use WordPress and they're either starting a company or they're starting like a, a project within a company and they need to get files as part of this project. They're like uh, starting a thing to do restaurant reviews and they need some process of getting uh, files from people or they're an investor and they need to get some sort of reporting done as part of the, the process of uh, getting files. And so they would, they would use File Inbox. Um, and I don't know if that's gonna be helpful as a persona cause I don't like, I don't, but it's I, becoming my biggest persona. And, I, yeah, I don't know. I don't know how to think
1: I, about it. I have thoughts. Yeah. Um, that sounds exactly opposite of what a persona is. Okay. Um, a persona is an extremely specific thing. Like, this is Mary, and she's 40 years old, and she works at a restaurant, and she wants to get reviews. Yeah. That's a persona. Um, the reason that, that what you just described is becoming your biggest persona is because it sounds like five or ten different personas yeah. all wrapped into one. So, what I would push you to do is tease that apart and f- be extremely specific with what you think is either the largest or most profitable or the one you're most excited to serve Um, because that's when personas get really interesting Mm -hmm. you have to make very hard decisions about who you actually want to serve who you're actually going after Mm -hmm. so that's what i would say is that's that's your largest because you're grouping a bunch of people together so ungroup that and that's that's the homework okay
0: okay i do have some more specific ones i have uh ian the printer he runs a print business and he uses it to receive files and i have uh what one two three four i have five customers who fit that persona so like that feels good and that's a persona yep. that i think i can find a lot more of uh i have linda the loan officer and i so far have three customers that fit that and uh yeah i have some more specific things they, they don't like learning new complicated software they'd rather use a simpler tool they can understand than the industry standard stuff like uh, calyx to manage client documents um they're not the most computer illiterate they're not the most computer literate and they're they're uh not lenders that's the wrong term the the person who's taking out the mortgage uh they also don't view them as very computer literate um oh oh borrower sure. the borrower. borrower uh and then i have professor michael who hates blackboard because blackboard sucks and he l- prefers cobbling together uh tools that he understands that are that are simpler tools uh and then uses it to get uh, student submissions for for homework and stuff. Yeah, and great, the, those sound like personas. People. Yeah, good, cool, cool. Cool, okay, yeah, so that's status update on File box. Feels like I'm pushing it forward. I still feel, feel frustrated that like, I've been asking really smart people who know what they're doing, like what's the thing I could be working on that would grow revenue the fastest, and I've been doing what they've been telling me to do, and I don't think it was the wrong thing to do. Like, it's learn how to do customer interviews and put together these personas. But I feel frustrated that revenue hasn't caught up. <laughs> like, yeah. it feels it feels like I am making progress, but I've been doing this for months now, right? And I think part of it also is that I'm I'm sort of hindered by uh, the the technical serverless transition because that's you know I I can't do anything with this data yet because. Uh, i have this new code base that i need to move everyone to before i can start uh actually improving the software but uh that that feels frustrating i'd like to be making a a few
1: interesting things i could say about that one is you see graphs like this sometimes where it's like everyone gives up right before the hockey stick so it's like Mm. four years of nothing and then boop you know like something works yeah and so you got to keep trying stuff in order to get the the something working so that's that's one thing just keep at it okay eventually trusting that you'll find something that works that's one thing um the, the next one is um jason cohen has this great quote: quote like uh for every decision that you want to make you'll find very smart people have very good re- that have very good reasons to tell you to do something and other very smart people that will tell you to do the exact opposite thing mm. for very good reasons And <laughs> it's like you can't know before you do it mm. so the only way through is is to do it um so just just keep going i guess yeah. that feels reassuring
0: i'm reminded of how mushrooms grow the mycelia underground is like 90% of the growth. Mm. And then it's just at the very end where they have the the fruiting body of the actual mushroom that you see over the ground. But the mushroom is like such an, it's, it's the literal tip of the iceberg of what the actual mushroom yeah. is doing. And yeah, most of the work the mushroom is doing, you, you don't see until the, the yeah. very end when it makes the mushroom.
1: The other thing I will say, which is a little bit of a downer note, but, uh, Josh, uh, that Pigford from Bearmetrics. Mm-hmm. He sold Bearmetrics, right? But he posted this graph of his growth over time. It was very linear, and he was he was in the same. Like he was at least growing, but he was like so frustrating that I couldn't grow it. Then mm. he sold it. They increased the price. They got this huge bump in revenue, but it's been falling since then. And so he posted this open graph, and it's almost back down to the growth line, the original growth line. Interesting. And so he's like, like they can't grow it either. <laughs> like yeah, it's yeah. The same. Like they're growing it very, very slowly. But like they like so some businesses they just don't have high growth curves right um so that's a little bit of a downer
0: but maybe that's what file is. It has a slow growth curve that's all you could do i if it was slowly growing i'd be totally happy with that it's like flat and slowly declining and i don't yeah like that's that. not great no it's not yeah. great i want to change it i just <laughs> yeah okay yeah all right okay uh that's that Next thing I wanted to talk about was an update on consulting. I uh, all of a sudden have like my consulting plate full, which feels pretty good. Um, I feel like I'm on track to be making like, I don't know, three to $5,000 a month for the next few months. Uh, which feels good i just had a new job land on my plate that came from funny enough a file inbox interview that i was doing at the end of the interview he was like hey i'd like this software built is that a thing you could do and i was like absolutely yes sir it's (laughs) cool so i uh had a call with him and his business partner yesterday um without getting into too many details uh it, it would involve making a mobile app that would resemble a podcast app um which would be a lot of fun there's a lot of features of a podcast app that i've been wanting to make and in the same day a couple hours later i had my first call with a developer that came from trying to look for developers to hire to to subcontract and i was uh, I'm, i'm very impressed by this developer he's a uh he's going to be a junior in college uh studying cs and like has made a bunch of independent projects and has a lot of the same uh uh experience that i'd be looking for and I gave him this outline of like okay here, here's everything i'm working on uh if if you were working on any of this it would help me but uh, it benefits me if you're working on something that you're excited about uh so like of all this what would you like to work on and the project that he said he'd most like to work on is that consulting project making the mobile app and so cool i yeah so i'm now in this position where like i i think i think if you would talk to me about this like five years ago i would have felt a lot of imposter syndrome of well, how can I possibly charge this, these people money if I'm not doing any of the work? I'm just taking the work and then moving it over to this person and they're costing me this much and then I'm getting paid this much and like I haven't done enough work to justify that much money. And I... I'm totally in the camp now of like, absolutely. <laughs> but like, I've done so much work because I found the client and I'm doing, like in the call, I was doing a bunch of work of figuring out, okay, it sounds like this is the thing you need. And, you know, from my industry experience, this is the best way to build it. And, you know, we should focus on, on this set of features. Like that's the expertise. That's the the struggle that I'm having with File Inbox that, you know, that, that higher level strategic thinking of, okay, here's how you connect these pieces and, and get the actual thing delivered. So, yeah, I think I would feel really good about most of the work that I do for this consulting project to be just like writing the proposal, collecting the money, uh, coming up with a timeline, and then just shuffling that over to this uh, junior in college to to actually build the app, knowing the whole time that if, if that relationship falls through for whatever reason, if, if he gets busy or his school schedule is crazy that I could pick up the project and, and carry to the finish line. Um, but I did just want to check with you. Cause like this is, I, I think you've done more of the subcontracting stuff. This would be the first job that I'm subcontracting. Uh, do you have any advice on doing that? How, how, how might I be thinking about this project?
1: Yeah. My first thought is uh, he, he, he's probably in the summer right now, so he has a lot of time, but just be careful because as soon as he starts school uh, in the fall, yeah. his time's going to drop way off. So just yeah. watch that. Um, and then the most important thing probably is to get a contract saying that any of the work that he does for this project it belongs to your company. Um, and then you can transfer that on the clients, mm-hmm. uh, you know, in whatever way they agree to. So yeah, that's the most important thing is a contract, I think. Um, otherwise, sounds interesting. Yeah, I mean... Uh, very like the way you actually interface with him like do you have weekly meetings or monthly meetings or you know i would i would recommend more often um if he's more a junior but um yeah that's very specific to him and to you but uh otherwise it will be an interesting experience also yeah one of the reasons that you get to charge more money is because you're actually on the hook uh if he dropped off the face of the earth which he may do because he's a college student who knows you know uh then you're on the hook for everything still so um yeah I i also find it interesting that one of your customer calls netted something that i suspect is more money than they would have ever paid you for file inbox yeah over their
0: lifetime so that's very interesting yeah Yeah. that's pretty cool he actually (laughs) during the customer call he was explaining to me why he had stopped using file inbox so (laughs) (laughs) yeah 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 uh makes me think like maybe that's a future avenue for consulting work if i decide to keep doing this especially if i can figure out some pipeline of that uh i can do this in a in a way that isn't totally dependent on my time that i can uh scale it up by like hiring other developers if i can go to a customer call and be like hey you know that software you've been using that runs this big part of your business that has been reliable and great i'm the guy who made that and if you need anything else i can be your guy yeah
1: so it could be however i would caution you this sounds a little bit like building websites for small
0: businesses Mm. which is notoriously extremely difficult and low paying so just watch out yeah, yeah yeah i don't want to do that this is a perfect thing because like their budget makes a lot of sense for the sort of thing that i want to make and yeah i think i uh hearing hearing their application for it i think they have already the audience that would be using this thing um yeah i, I just i think it makes a lot of sense but yeah noted cool thank you for reminding me also about the uh, contracts that's something that i consistently forget about but yeah having a contract <laughs> in place and then uh yeah being being aware of his time constraints once he starts school yeah
1: also if he's a junior developer he may not understand things about like licenses and stuff so if you are giving this to another company and they want to like use it proprietarily in a proprietary way like make sure he doesn't use any gpl or agpl code Hmm. stuff like that so make sure he knows what he can and can't use that might be important
0: i don't think i know that uh, that's important what <laughs> yes and uh, what in what circumstance would that be a problem
1: okay if you for example want to have an app and keep it fully proprietary right and like sell parts of the app or get investor money or whatever mm-hmm. uh do not use gpl or AGPL code um do not use copyleft code uh it is great in theory it's good for linux it's very bad for proprietary software okay you want to use mit you want to use apache things like that most things you use most of the time are probably fine okay but anything that's gpl uh,
0: avoid it for proprietary software okay what, what's the check that i would need to do like for every library that i import every framework that i use i just need to check that the the license is <sighs> apache or similar
1: apache mit bsd okay. those are all fine uh creative commons generally fine okay as long as it is for commercial use uh, then then it's fine okay. uh, gpl specifically the reason why it exists is because you use it in your software and then you there's a lot of variations but essentially have to make your software open source that's that's generally okay. the thing okay so Copy so, left, so right.
0: gpl specifically sounds like it's the thing to to worry about and the specific mm-hmm. case of using gpl code that's the problem is if you sell code that includes gpl code you, you can't do that yes okay yes okay yeah i don't i don't think i would have been in this situation where i had done that maybe for consulting jobs it's possible i like accidentally used a gpl yes, library. So
1: pro- probably not like like 95 of the time you'll be fine yeah uh it has bitten me once okay and i will not forget it <laughs> okay so what <laughs> happened huh uh a lot of time spent with uh other companies lawyers <laughs> trying okay. to figure out what to do yeah gross all right yeah, yeah. yeah notice I'll, it worked out fine it. but uh it was a lot it was a few weeks of not fun work okay
0: yeah no. i don't want that okay yeah i'll check that thank you um <laughs> cool uh okay this is this is the story that might get cut uh after asking my wife so okay uh podcast <laughs> listeners we may we may cut off here at uh, to the end of a story <laughs> uh <laughs> this is this is where i might cut back in if uh if that previous topic uh has been Great. vetoed by my wife which would be totally reasonable uh, but there's one more thing I want to talk about, which is a adventure that I had at Home Depot, had a bunch of boards that were sticking out of the back of Sarah's RAV4, uh, it's this, this SUV. And I was trying to think about, first of all, how do I secure these boards in place? Uh, cause I, I own ratchet straps, but I forgot to bring them and that would have been the perfect tool. And then how do I, uh, like keep the trunk closed? So I was thinking like, man, I already own two sets of ratchet straps. Cause I've already been in this situation before and thought, well, I could just use extra ratchet straps. So I'll buy another set. And now I have two sets of rice restri- and I don't need three. So uh, let me buy a rope and a knife and and see what I can do. I know how to rock climb and tie these knots. I, I can figure something out. So I was standing there in the in the Home Depot parking lot for like 20 minutes, just trying different things and trying different knots. And most of the things I tried, I was really unsatisfied with because I would kind of shake the boards around or try to simulate like, okay, if this shifted, what would happen? And invariably what would happen is if it shifted, it would get looser and then boards would start flying out. And like, that's no boy bueno. That's, that's not what I want to happen. So... I asked ChatGPT for some advice on what knots to tie. And uh, it recommended a trucker's hitch. And that sort of solved part of the problem. And then with a little more research, I found a a running bowlin. So I'd like to tell you briefly about those two knots because these are like the two knots that now, having spent, what, 45 minutes in a Home Depot parking lot playing around with this stuff and learning about them on, on, uh, uh, on YouTube. Like these are the two knots that I think are better than having ratchet straps if you if you have rope Great. and you know these two knots you don't need ratchet straps, and it's, it's it's an even better solution so a running bowling is basically uh uh you make a loop in one end of the knot in one end of the rope um with a, a bowline, but you don't have to use a bowlin you could just any any secure knot so i used to figure it out on that side and then you uh run the other end of the rope through that end and then you cinch it down so it's sort of like a uh a, a noose is no, yeah, it's like a noose. Uh, you've, you've made a noose, and so the brilliance of that is, if if your load moves, that gets tighter, uh, which is really good because it, it like there's there's flexibility in the system. You want it to get tighter if uh, if it runs uh, if if the load uh, uh, shifts around. Uh, so that's the first knot, a running bowline, and then the second knot is a trucker stitch, which is magical because it's a knot that lets you ratchet down the tightness of uh, the load. So once you have the running bowline around the, it was, it was a bunch of boards that I was carrying. So I had the running bowline around one end of the board. So that was sort of cinching it all in place. And then to tie that to the car, I ran a trucker's hitch through uh, one of the bolts in the car where the, the seat was supposed to clip onto. And then I was able to pull the end of the rope to tighten it and it would keep the tightness. Um, and the, the way the trucker's hitch works, you, you're like, you, you take the rope and you run it through the hard point point and then you run it back through a loop that you tied in the, the end of the rope that is closer to the, the load. And then you ratchet that down so it's two to one mechanical advantage. So if, you, if you're if you pulling it with 10 pounds of force, you get 20 pounds of torque of tightening it. Um, and then you you tie off that end. So between those two knots of running bowline and a trekkers hitch, I am now more proficient in tying down a load than someone with ratchet straps. And that feels pretty cool. Uh, that's, a, that's a skill I think everyone should have. Cool
1: um yeah i'll I'll say plus one to keeping ratchet straps in your car like uh yeah that's something you don't need know that you need until you need it so um, i i was gifted a set it's really neat instead of like just being like loose it roll it um automatically uh contracts or like rolls up like a tape measure oh cool and so yeah so it's like a really neat um self-contained ratchet strap anyway so that's cool uh yeah I also second knots uh I was in boy Scouts for a long time, and knots and first aid were the two things that like I took away um yeah i, I would also recommend the timber hitch and the constrictor knot as two knots that oh. would probably uh hold down a load um timber hitch and constrictor knot.
0: I will uh cue this up to learn' i well oh. yeah
1: cool uh they're they're not the most gen- the most generic knots you need are
0: like the square knot clove hitch. yes yeah uh, that you know two half hitches that kind of thing yep, but, yep. Figure eight knot for climbing. I think I've tied that probably. I don't know, two thousand times, and every time I tied it, it was like my life or someone else's life that was on the line if I didn't tie (laughs) it correctly. So like that's burned in my brain. I can tie a figure eight knot behind my back with my eyes closed underwater. Like, yeah, that's yeah. It's nice to just have that and and know that okay, if it looks like this, like my brain is pattern matching. Like okay, this this knot's going to be solid. This this isn't going to come untied, and it's going to be easy to untie when I need to untie it. Yeah, um. The
1: other thing I'll say, totally randomly, not not randomly, uh, is uh, like, it, it was great that you solved your problem. Uh, you can also rent a truck from Home Depot for like 20 bucks. I was thinking <laughs> about that. But here's the thing. If I rent
0: the truck, <laughs> now I got to it was, – it was a Home Depot that was like 15 minutes away instead of the closer one that's like yeah. eight minutes away. So if I'm renting a truck, I got to go in the store. I got to rent the truck. That's going to take, I don't know, 20 minutes. And now I need to move all the boards from in the car to in the truck. That's going to take another 20 minutes. And now I need to drive home. That's another 20 minutes. And then I need to unload the boards from the truck. And I need to do that now in enough time that I can get the truck back in time. So that's like more time. And then I got to get the car and bring I the agree. car back. So yeah, while I was standing there in the Home Depot parking lot, I was like, no, it's just like, I can figure this out. I, th- this is yeah. how in the olden days, you know, people that's right th- had ships that they uh, uh, sailed across the Atlantic with nothing but knots. Like I can figure out how to secure this, these couple of boards that's with some right. knots, yeah.
1: The other thing I'll say... When I built my climbing wall, I needed multiple sheets of plywood, like really heavy plywood and a bunch of two by fours and stuff. Um, I did Lowe's like two hour delivery and it was a hundred bucks, which is expensive, but not compared to the wood that I bought. Um, And it just came and arrived in my driveway. (laughs) So instead of spending 40 bucks for two hours in a truck, uh, you could spend a hundred bucks and get it dropped off right in your driveway.
0: Retrospectively and from a time perspective of like buying back my time to be working on consulting projects, that would have made so much more sense and i didn't do it and probably for the next time it might make sense i don't know i i i I like feeling and also like i can't just code all day that's something i I realized so that was that was already after a a full day of work and uh i found it useful recently to try to mix in other forms of things especially physical things or or, uh, things that are more social uh like cooking i think fits into this really well um I enjoy cooking, especially with ChatGPT making up the recipes, like, uh, it's a nice break and I'm physically using my hands and body in a way that isn't just sitting at a desk, uh, writing code. And then that, that helps the code part of my brain relax and sort of simmer in solutions to, uh, bubble up in my subconscious. So, yeah, I agree. Yeah.
1: Yep. That's why I like photography. Getting back to our first topic. Yeah. Same thing. Yep. Cool. All right, Chris,
0: that's all I got. That's all I got to. Then I'll see you next week. Goodbye.